a long time ago on a podcast far, far away. Star Wars with Aaron and Polly, Episode 7, Dreams and Madness. The spark of empire kindles in a galaxy far, far away. Separated for years across unimaginable distance, Sabine Wren and Ezra Bridger are at last reunited. But shadows loom on the horizon. The sinister Shinahati relentlessly pursues the duo, determined to crush their resistance and restore the Empire's rule. And this is Paul. And I am Andrew. So no Wayne this week because he's weak. He, <laughs> you know, he called out sick and I said, who calls out sick to a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can do it from your bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd prefer you didn't. <laughs> How do you know I'm not? <laughs> Look, I just accept that you're nude, Paul, but I prefer the idea of you sitting in your office chair, leaning into the mic versus you know, in repose. I just, that that's just, <laughs> let me have that. Repose. I'm lying on my side, like one let, of your French girls. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting distinction. That's an interesting line for you to draw, Aaron. Like, I'm okay with you naked. Just be sitting up. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea of him in his home office, you know, uh, you know, because it's business, right? You it's know, business. It's all business. This is that's all right. about the business of Star Wars. We are and professionals. That's right. Yeah, we, but there's yeah. nothing but professionalism here that's on right. Star Wars with Aaron and Polly and Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier this week, I uh, went to a dinner where uh, Shankar Vedantam, uh, who is the host of the podcast Hidden Brain, uh, was speaking. And are y'all familiar with him or that? Yeah, podcast? I mean, I don't listen to the podcast directly, but I hear him. He's a frequent contributor on NPR, and yeah. I hear him there. Yeah. So uh, I get the, tons of people there. I mean, tons of people, you know, uh, maybe, you know, 500 people in the room. And <laughs> um, I'm talking to this woman. And she goes, I just love Shankar. He's brilliant. He hosts a podcast. <laughs> And I said, well, I host a podcast. <laughs> oh, really? What do you talk about? Well, mostly comic books. And the look <laughs> she gave me, <laughs> I, I, the, the look she gave me did not indicate that she in turn thought I was brilliant as well. <laughs> did she give, would she have given you a similar look if you had said, you know, I don't know, sodomy? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm assuming this is a, a lady who's probably a little bit older than you, perhaps. Mm. No, younger. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. You know, 
You know, comics <laughs> judging, judging her older generation. <laughs> no, I just, you know, comics have become more popular, you know, as as since our youth, and it's more, become more mainstream yeah. with the rise of all these movies and things. So yeah. younger, I, I thought they might be more willing to be interested in a, a comic book podcast. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. You'd I, think. Got, I, you'd tried to hand, I tried to hand her my IOM Geek business card, but she wasn't having any of it. <laughs> did, 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 for just a minute, did you consider answering with high art? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just mostly comic books. <laughs> but had you started by saying we actually talk about Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Then she would have been like, oh, okay. But we'll Paul, do- we're gonna we're gonna talk about a comic book today. God, finally. Finally, Finally, in the yeah. 15 years of podcasting, Aaron has been begging us to talk about Micronauts. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> and he finally found an, an excuse. <laughs> this is literally not an exaggeration. <laughs> I worked hard, hard to cultivate this uh, this opportunity today so that we can talk about Micronauts number one, the original Micronauts comic book from Marvel Comics, uh, written yeah, by Bill Mantlo. Not that Mantlo. Devil's Do Micronauts. That's right. Not. Yeah, not that image stuff. I mean, it's this is the real deal. The real deal. Uh, I'm very is, excited to see how you tie this Star Wars. Very excited. It, I got to tell you, it is deeply influenced to Star Wars, which, oh, yeah. is, which is why uh, we're talking about it here on our Star Wars podcast, beyond the fact that I would just use any opportunity I could find to talk about <laughs> Micronauts. You know, yeah. this book is written by genius Bill Manilow who remains uh, one of the most underappreciated creators at Marvel Comics, in my opinion. Uh, and well, I, feel like, I feel like he was really overshadowed by his older brother, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and is beautifully illustrated by Michael Golden. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 this book took my breath away when it first came out back in 1979. And I have been a fan of this run ever since it has not been available in print for years. It has never been available for purchase digitally and Marvel comics this week released it, uh, in what they called a facsimile edition. In which, which we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, it, uh, they released it this week. They, they re, uh, mastered all of the art. Uh, so, you know, I've got the, you know, uh, pirated version of the digital comic, uh, you know, scanned from the original print. And those scans are terrible, <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, the, the, the paper quality that it was printed on back in 1979 was not the high quality paper that we're used to these days. And so the images just come across as rather muddy and uh, not nearly as clear and refined, but they did a brilliant job cleaning up these images. So, Paul, I'm dying to know, <laughs> is, is this your first time uh, reading this comic? Yeah, this is my first time reading Micronauts. So Micronauts, you know, like Aaron mentions, um, created by Bill Mantlo, Michael Golden, um, was first published in 1979, this Micronauts number one. And before we get into the content of the book, I do want to ref- I do want to talk about the facsimile edition aspect mm-hmm. of this book because you know usually these reprints are just that right they're reprints of the comic portion of a book and you know if there are ads they're modern ads but it might just be back matter with essays or you know a, whatever you know stuff about the the property itself this being a facsimile edition 
has the original um, advertisements in it as well. In their placement, it's not they didn't put it all in there as back matter. I mean, it, they they appear as they appeared in the comic. Yeah, so like ordering your comics from Camelot in Houston, uh-huh. Texas, uh-huh. or you know your your uh, your Star Wars action figures from superhero merchandise in Dover, New Jersey, um, featuring the official Star Wars action figures for two seventy nine plus fifty cents package and handling each. Yep. Yeah, you when know, you can buy and sell your comics at uh, Clint's Comics there in uh, in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I yeah. loved that they had that that yeah. original stuff. Oh, the nineteen seventy nine or excuse me, yeah, nineteen seventy eight Jaws two ad. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it's that stuff was really fun, um, and especially because when I started reading comics in the early eighties, many of the ads were very much formatted like that. Right. And you know, in retrospect, it's very hokey. Like that that Star Wars ad that I was referring to. Like doesn't feature a picture of the toys. It features a drawing of the toys. And nowadays, if someone put a drawing of a toy on it and said, hey, order this toy, I'd be like, well, that feels fake. Yeah. <laughs> but in 1979, not only did it was it real, you cut out the little ordering slip from your comic book wrote your master charge number on it <laughs> and sent it in, on right. a, in, in, an, in an envelope, totally secure. Um yeah. It's just so funny, you know, how times have changed over the last 44 years. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so the they came from outer space, the Micronauts. I, they came from inner space. Inner space. Excuse me. Inner space. Because they come from the microverse, Paul. They do. They do. You know, and I will say I I <laughs> I went in with the mindset that Aaron that, that I was like, I don't think this has shit to do with Star Wars. <laughs> but. It actually is very heavily influenced by Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will agree with Aaron on that. You know, there's there's royalty princes and you know, princes and princesses. There's um, kind of a large robot and a small robot trio, Biotron and Microtron. You know, Baron Karza, obviously influenced by the Darth Vader design, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually really enjoyed this book. I mean, to the point that I'm like, huh, I wonder what happens next. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, it was like, I'm like, I wonder who the time traveler is. I wonder if Prince Shaitan is actually, you know, Marionette's brother in disguise. Like, I, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. The the this is during that period of time when Marvel was really leaning into licensed properties. It, you know, obviously it came after the Star Wars uh, license, but. Micronauts is based on the Mego toy line that was uh, in uh, that was marketed by Mego from 76 to 1980. And I came into Micronauts because my mother worked for a company called Packaging Corporation that designed the boxes that Micronauts were marketed in. And she came home one day and brought me some of the samples. And, you know, that was my that was my gateway into Micronauts. And when I saw the comic book on the shelves, I'm like, this is that toy mom brought home. And, you know, the next is uh, is, is magic, Paul. It's magic. magic. Yeah. So Micronauts tells the story of. Well, first, let me let me just say this is one of those things that there was not a narrative uh, with the toys, right? It was just, you got a box and it was Baron Karza. You got a box. It was force commander. You got a box. It was galactic warrior, but it wasn't like they told you anything about the characters. So Bill Manilow and Michael Golden created this story, whole cloth. 
you know, they plugged it in and, and the, the, the influence of star Wars is readily apparent. I mean, like they're the design of the, uh, starship that, uh, commander Ron, uh, uh, captains is the HMS endeavor. So it seems a little, a little star, star Trekky if you ask me, but the, some of the design elements are very sim- similar to the millennium Falcon. Uh, and there is a scene where commander Ron is you know stepping out of the ship that looks very much like Han Solo stepping out of the Millennium Falcon. I mean, I, I feel like there are images here that you know harken back to Star Wars. I think it's I think it's really apparent there. But the thing that I'm amazed by when you read this book, and it's 36 pages with ads, um, when you read this book, it does the thing that a first issue is supposed to do. It creates the world. You know, and you get a real sense of who people are, where they are, how things work, and it asks a bunch of questions. And the thing that I'm amazed by, I hadn't read this in in, in a while, but when I read it this week, I was like, God dang, comics don't do this nearly as well as as they did back in 1979. Yeah, they don't do it as well today as they did then, because this would have been this would have been four issues, Paul. This would have been so decompressed. You know, we would have spent a whole lot of time in each one of these scenes versus, you know, we get establishment that the uh, royalty has been displaced, that there has been, you know, uh, a usurper, you know, Baron uh, Baron Karza. We get that the, you know, uh, hero has returned home after a 1000 year journey. We get him connected to uh, fellow rebels. We get them escaping their death sentence. Uh, I mean, and we we get the introduction of the Enigma Force. You know, this this mystical power like the Force. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, all of these things happen, and this easily would have been a four or six issue uh, series just for this first issue. Yet we get. All of this. And I, I feel like the design elements and so much, you know, Paul, I know you weren't a Micronauts guy, but so much of this is just out of uh, Michael Golden's head in the designs, because these weren't a lot of this were not toys like the HMS Endeavor was never a toy. That was something that he created. Um, the cityscape, uh, you know, were not toys yet. Um, the I, I, just so much of this was original. In fact, the character Bug uh, was based on a toy, but is completely unique to to the book uh, in that he is, you know, an insect like creature. Right. Um, it, it's just there are just so many different so many different things that they took from uh, the toys and just made it their own and just created this this whole story. And like uh, Marionette isn't even a toy, <laughs> you know, she is completely original to, to the comic. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, how much of this is just, you know, completely unique. I, so, you know, there, there was, I really liked it. Um, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, like you said, the, the heavy star Wars influence, I mean, there, but what I liked about it is that there were a lot of mysteries set up in this first issue. Uh-huh. Like I said, you know, the, 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 the book opens with a, the the royal family being overtaken and you know marionette is a is a princess you know kind of like our princess leia and what's funny is this is even before 
the reveal in Return of the Jedi that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, but mm-hmm. she has a brother in this right. book. And the brother is taken captive and not seen again, at least not obviously seen again in the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, where's the brother? Is he one of these other characters wearing a mask that doesn't have a name? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I did. I, Aaron, Aaron knows. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, Baron Karza in, so here's a question I have for you, Aaron. Does Baron Karza have replaceable legs? Yes. Because okay. in the opening of the book, he has a horse body, and later on in the book, he has a normal uh, bottom yeah. half. So the toy, you know, you've got a Baron Karza toy, and I, I sent you a picture in our Instagram chat. Uh, oh. The, the, uh, his limbs are, the tool on the toy are magnetic, right? So those legs come right off. And there is a uh, black stallion. I forget what his horse's his horse's name is, but uh, you can turn it into a centaur with Baron Karza's you know top of his body and the horse's lower body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the comic, <clears throat> Baron Karza, who was formerly Doctor Karza, who was a the royal physician and overthrew the royal family with his. Uh, perverse body bank technology. He harvests. Uh, he has. He has won over the population with this technology because it makes them uh, functionally immortal, and they, you know, essentially harvest organs from the poor uh, to keep the rich alive. Right. Um, and so he has used this technology also to create, you know, sort of this body morphing thing, where like in. Uh, Star Trek First Contact, where the Borg Queen's torso lowers down and you know joins the, her lower uh, body, kind of the same thing with Baron Karza. He you know joins with his horse, um, <clears throat> but he also has fists that fire off. Like so, his his fists will disembody and uh, go off and you know choke out a bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and that's based off the toy as well because the fists are missiles on the Baron Karza toy. So, okay, okay. but, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for you because I'm, I'm hoping that Marvel will re-release the entire series digitally. <laughs> and I want, shit. Yeah. I'm going to ask you offline. <laughs> I'm going to ask you offline because they've only reprinted the first issue. I know. And, and, and no there were promises. five years of this book. Now I will say that the, it, it has not been in print in years and years. There was a trade paperback that was out, you know, maybe 15 years ago or longer. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not a very high quality print. Um, I never owned it, but you know I've seen it on eBay. Yada yada. Um, Marvel is releasing an omnibus uh, in 2024, I think January, I believe. Uh-huh. It's going to be about 130 dollars, I think, and it's the entire first run of the series by Bill Manilo and uh, Michael michael golden i think it's like the first 12 issues maybe first 20 issues but uh i'm super excited to have it uh because you know i've got the floppies i've got the entire run of the floppies but you know reading it on that old newsprint is not nearly as much fun as seeing it in the glorious remastered uh digital version and i'm sure in the the new omnibus edition i love this book i i going back and reading it again and trying to read it with you know a critical eye. I was just really taken by how well the story works visually and through the text. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm so gratified, Paul, that you enjoyed it as much as you did. Yeah. 
I, uh, I I really did. And, you know, I don't know that I'm going to spend $113 for the omnibus. I was actually a little miffed that I had to pay $5. For yeah, that facsimile edition was a, was a little rough. I was just yeah, like, I'm like, damn. And, and I love how they, like, cover the price or they you uh-huh. know, remove the price from the cover. Because, you know, in 1979, this book was probably 75 cents, maybe. I think it was 35 cents. 35 cents, yeah. I think my recollection is 35 cents. $5. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a markup. But, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was I, I, I did see that that uh, that price. I, I did kind of squint at it, but uh, I, I happily no, paid it was it. worth it. I, I yeah, truly it, did enjoy it. You know, and, you know, Michael Golden's art is always rewarding. I just think he did some remarkable stuff here. I just I, I, I deeply enjoyed it. So, uh, I, you know, keep your eye out. I will keep our listeners updated as to uh, whether or not we get additional releases uh, in the series. I, I really hope they do. I hope I hope this was successful for them. I hope it indicates that there is a digital market for it. So, yeah. Well, and hey, for, for you listeners, it's available on comiXology or i guess marvel does marvel still have a, a, a separate app i don't think so they do not andrew okay. tells me they do not all right so well yeah, or no. in your favorite comic book store um but it's, i'm hoping it's, it's worth the read i'm hoping it'll come to marvel unlimited here in 60 90 days whatever oh yeah yeah <laughs> true yeah and it, you know it is definitely to aaron's point indicative of a time in which there were many media properties being influenced by star wars and this was marvel's attempt or not even migo's attempt really to well to take advantage in, of that keep in mind many of these toys existed prior to star wars oh migo started marketing micronauts in 76 so mm, see huh yeah so i mean but also no there was no storyline attached to the micronauts mm. they were just toys you know, so one of the things I loved about He-Man was the comic books that came with each character. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, actually bought. See, I see loved Aaron. that. Yeah. So that you got that story along with your action figures. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, you know, you might have opened up that you know, He-Man was influenced by Star Wars, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got I'm a magic sword. Uh, he's got power that makes him stronger. Just um, and you know we could probably have a He-Man conversation <laughs> on a future episode, <laughs> except that I don't know that I really want to revisit any of those old He-Man comics. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel it out first, uh-huh. and then uh-huh. we'll, we'll we'll revisit this conversation. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> we we could always watch the Masters of the Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. That not, is probably a good use of our time. It's not a bad movie. I love that movie. I'm not gonna go that far, but it's not a bad movie. I love it. 1987. It was a young Paul loved that movie. (laughs) But this week we are on our penultimate episode. Oh God, it is penultimate, isn't it? It, Is it only eight? It's not nine. It's eight. It's Uh, It's only eight, which, you know, very much. For me, feels like Ahsoka is going to end unresolved. Oh, no. yeah. And yeah. set up a movie. There's, there's, there's far too much remaining. I mean, the, 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 you know, this being the, the seventh of, of eight episodes, you definitely get the sense like, oh, am, so this is this is setting up the movie. <laughs> am I correct that they haven't even sh- begun shooting the movie? Is that a correct statement? I believe I they have. Um, okay. Now they, no, they, I believe they, um, 
I don't know if they started shooting or if they have, they've probably done. I mean, you know, they can shoot that stuff in the volume and, and no one the wiser. Um, but I do feel like the movie is written. I don't know if it has reached filming because of the, the strike. Yeah. I just I hate the idea that we, we, we're going to get a cliffhanger here and then we've got a long road. Yeah, and then we have to wait like three years for it. Right. I believe that we will have um, a second season of Mandalorian in between. Oh, yeah. Uh, look at you. Look at you. Well, here's your Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. You get that out of here, Paul. You get that out of here. <laughs> well, but, but that's when we'll re- that's when uh, we'll, we'll still be podcasting Star Wars. Here, Aaron, Paul, here's our your, weekly Mandalorian here's your, topic. Here's your baby Yoda. That'll satisfy you for a while. <laughs> exactly. You'll be fine. <laughs> Enjoy your Din Djarin. Well, and we'll have Andor season two, right? Yeah, we'll okay. have Andor season two, okay. which apparently was was only a few days away from finishing filming before the strike. Okay, now th- that's what you should have led with, Paul. <laughs> well, I forgot that, that. I forgot about that one. So we'll have Andor, but that has nothing. I don't think Andor has anything to do with the movie no, that's coming that's out. That's okay. Because, no. spoilers, he's dead. Yeah, that's okay though. I mean, I, you know, I just Andor's Andor is higher quality than uh, Mandalorian has been. So. <laughs> but what do you feel about Episode Seven, Dreams and Madness of Ahsoka? I mean, I'm happy to see the princess, uh, Princess Leia, one of my favorite princesses, is still doing God's work uh, <laughs> and uh, is looking out for one of my favorite characters on on Ahsoka. Uh, you know, a uh, Hera Syndulla. Uh, it's uh, it was was cool that they worked that in as a way to get her off the hook with the authorities, the powers that be at her tribunal. I guess they called it. I just wanted uh, Hera to draw her blaster pistol and <laughs> shoot that guy, you know, calling him an imperial fink. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, sen- the, sen- the senator who was in inter- yeah. yeah, who's questioning who's her. clearly yeah. working for the yeah. empire. Yeah, <laughs> obviously part of the remnant. Yeah. yeah. Ask ask me about my emperor. Is the <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that was great, that opening sequence. So, you know, we get we get a cameo by C-3PO. Yeah, that was great. Um, which is you know, I, I, I'm glad they I don't know if they did that just because that was the, the plan or if they did that to avoid a CG Leia um, or what. Um, but regardless, it was it was a great scene. I love seeing C-3PO. And it's funny because it's like maybe it's Anthony Daniel in there. I don't care. But it's like C-3PO himself is what I was excited to see. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they didn't stuff Anthony Daniels in there. I think they just voiced him. But it was that stuff sometimes. I mean, he did it in the sequel trilogy, I think. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I I would be very surprised if that was him in the suit. Me too. But I I really appreciated hearing him, you know, do the voice maybe one last time. Uh, It was great. I I really enjoyed that. Uh, That was a nice bit. And it really helps cement the fact that we're in the same world, that our characters are still out there doing things in the timing. Right. You know, know, obviously, we know the timing is post Return of the Jedi, you know, but before Force Awakens, but before Force Awakens. But, you know, getting a sense of where Leia is, what her, you know, where she is in the power structure related to those people on the, the tribunal, because basically, you know, they're they're all hashing it out. Leia sends someone else, sends her admin <laughs> to yeah, right. deliver the yeah. message. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, well, I guess that's the case then. <laughs> well, In my the, role uh, as chief defense, whatever, you know, officer, I approved it. You're dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she is. I mean, at the end of Return, it seemed obvious that she would become the head of the new, you know, Republic uh, as they start to, you know, uh, take over from the Empire. But, yeah, it is kind of cool to see exactly how much force her word words have with other you know, uh, figures of power in, in, in this time and place. And then, I, of course, I felt bad for the Pergils. You know. I did too, because you know they were so the Purgles come out of hyperspace, they're just right helping. into a minefield. They're that just a, trying to help. Yeah, yeah that Thrawn <laughs> has left for them, and um, they are just—I mean, but it didn't look like they were really hurting. Like, yeah, you didn't see them blast apart, right? No, yeah, you know, it was wasn't no graphic, injury, but they yeah. did leave. They're like, f this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're Thank out. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured it had to be hurting them, or else they would have just, you know, carried on, right? Yeah. So they had to be yeah. in some enough pain to be like, um, let's GTF. We're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I did very much enjoy the, you know, space jumping around that, you know, Ahsoka did in opposition to the Imperial or the Thrawn's fighters. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. I, I yeah. love that we keep throwing people at this other galaxy, this other planet that they can't get away from. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it's, it's just like exacerbating an already bad situation. Like, right. Sabine's stuck here now, or Ezra was already stuck there. Now Sabine's stuck there. Now Ahsoka's stuck there. <laughs> you know, it, keep throwing more on top. It, I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because that's one of the, the questions that that I've got kicking around the back of my head is like, well, what else is here in this galaxy? I mean, we only know this one planet. Yeah. And I know that the, you know, Thrawn's ship, the Chimera, is beat all to hell. So probably hasn't had the ability to explore a lot of, you know, I don't know if it's limp, if it's atmosphere limited, you know, uh, you know, it probably hasn't had an opportunity to explore beyond the system at least. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he wants to get home cause that's what he knows. And that's, you know, he's got some scores to settle in, you know, a galaxy far, far away. I just, I, I I really want someone to say, well, what else is around here? And I know this isn't Star Trek. We're not explorers in Star Wars, but I I, I very much want to know, you know, is this a dead galaxy? Are there? Well, I'm curious are, about have, that, right? Yeah. So that because this is the planet Peridia, and Balin Skull refers to some type of Jedi remnancy, right? Not not human beings, but like you know, some type of archaeological find (laughs) related to to the Jedi on that planet that he's seeking out. Yeah. I'm really interested in what he's looking for. I said it last time. I'll say it again. I'm I'm just really interested. I'm afraid I'm going to be horribly disappointed when they finally reveal what he's looking for. I'm going to be like, oh, well, that was dumb for him to, you know, first goal. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to be disappointed if they don't reveal it, given Ray Stevenson's. No, no. I want them to reveal it, reality, but I want I'm them just, to reveal it. I, yeah. I want them to reveal it too. I'm just worried that within the context and logic, it's going to be something dumb that doesn't justify, you know, Balin's uh, uh, belief in it. I want it to be something amazing uh, that explains his dedication to this this plan that he's had and, and the actions he's taken. But I, I, there's part of me that's worried that the writers are not going to live up to to what I'm expecting. But no, I want them to show it. Uh, yeah, I want them to show it. I, my, like yeah. I said, my, my concern is that my concern with Balin Skull is that I have really grown attached to that character. Yeah, right. And that his yeah. his storyline. Now, in, in this episode, he has a, a moment with Shin Hati where he's like, we're Shin on Hati. different. Shin Hati. Yeah. Shin he's Hati. like, our paths are on different. You know, we're on different paths. You that, was your really, way, that was a really, that was a really interesting scene where, yeah. 
you know, he he's like, you know, he he characterizes her uh, pathway as ambition and that, mm-hmm. you know, ambition is going to take you over that direction. That's not that's not what I'm about. I'm going this direction. And I, I was like, wow, I really like the differentiation that we're getting in his and I'm just going to throw it up in air quotes villainy. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's just a different kind of bad guy that we ever see in Star Wars, just like Thrawn's a different kind of bad guy that we ever see in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, I he's love, not, you know, you think about General Hux, you think about Kylo Ren, uh-huh. Darth Vader, you know, well, we didn't I, spend enough time with Grand Moff Tarkin, but like Thrawn is definitely a villain like we haven't seen in the Star Wars universe in, in yeah. media. Right. In, yeah. In video. Yeah, I, and I'm loving it. I'm loving the distinction. I'm I'm loving the depiction of the noble villain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, as I said last time around, I I kind of agree with some of the points that he's made. Uh, that the answer is not with the Empire or with the Jedi. There, there's there's got to be a third way, and I love that. I, I, I'm really responding to that, and I think I'm ready to be a dark Jedi. But uh, <laughs> um, I, what I was really taken aback by after that scene is when Ahsoka shows up, and he's decided to put himself between her and the conflict going on down on the plane. You know where you know Ezra and Sabine are fighting the nomads and Shinhadi. I was I was really curious as to why he felt like he needed to put himself between between them. And he says to her, I, you know, I, I won't let you, uh, I, I won't let you interfere or something like that. And yeah. I just I was like, well, why, why does that serve his purpose? Well, yeah, I think he was he just w- protective of Shin, right? I mean, I don't think it was necessarily that, that that was a destiny thing. I think he was just preventing her from, from being part of that battle. Um, but I did like, is that he, uh, you know, they, they seem very evenly matched, Ahsoka and Balin, to the point that he's like, you can't beat me. And Ahsoka's like, I don't have to. I'm going to shoot you from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then ran off, which was, you know, which was great. Um, I'm, I'm very curious where he's off to. And, uh, you know, but that was every I think, like we've said, the standout for me of this entire show and this show has been great. Balin is the one character that I will be sad that we don't see more of post this show. Do you think now we don't know, of course, at this point, if Balin, at least I don't know uh, at this point, if Balin lives through the show or not. But I kind of suspect that he does since there's only one episode left. See, uh, I don't think he does. That's what I think. I, I, I feel like that's part of the different path thing. I yeah. feel like someone's sacrificing something, but I could be wrong. But I just wonder if he does survive past this season. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to recast him, and that's going to be that's not tough. nearly as much fun, right? I yeah, it's going to be real tough. It's not like you're taking a you know mediocre uh, actor and, and, and a mid-level character and, yeah. and recasting. This is you know one of the my favorite, like much like you guys, one of my favorite characters from this show is Ray Stevenson's performance of Balin Skull. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I am very excited for next week. Uh, I can't wait to see how the, the show wraps up and, and where these, where they live. Cause like you said, we're not going to get full resolution, right? Uh, <laughs> we're going to be left on a, on a little bit of a cliffhanger. I, I don't even know if they're even going to get back to the main universe by the end. That, I feel like yeah, Thrawn I will, right? Yeah, I feel like Thrawn, Thrawn yeah, I, 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 I picture Thrawn, you know, hyperspace jumping out of the, the, 
out of orbit mm-hmm. and our heroes just watching their backs, right. You know, watching them, you know, waving goodbye. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel like this is going to wrap up and perhaps a couple of dead bodies on the ground. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't like, can that. I, can I just say that the turtle people, have yeah. embraced their turtleness so much that they they drive the slowest cars around. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, wouldn't it have been faster to get out and walk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not for them, Aaron. It's still faster than them walking. But I uh, I did like that battle with um, the turtle people and Shin and the night troopers and uh-huh. Ezra, who still clearly has a connection to the Force. Um, you know, like. Ezra fights differently than Sabine fights differently than Ahsoka. I like, I like seeing everyone doing something a little different in that final battle Yeah. or that battle. I shouldn't say final cause there's still another episode, but in that big battle in this episode. Yeah. Agreed. I love that. I, one of the things that I was really taken by, because we always see Jedi and, you know, not Jedi fighting to the death, right? You know, we, you know, they fight until somebody's struck down. And the fact that Ahsoka is willing to take Shin Hadi as a prisoner, you know, that, you know, th- you know, throw down, throw down your, your saber and, you know, uh, I can help you, she says. And I, I just I was like, that's really interesting to me that it wasn't yeah. just cut down the bad guy with the, with the red sword. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and only, I'm wondering a, if only a Sith is for a redemption arc or not. Maybe. Yeah. Because only a Sith is deals in absolutes. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the episode. I'm really enjoying this series. It breaks my heart that uh, it's going to be over next week. Uh, I agree. I, I can't wait for the episode, but I don't want the episode to happen. Uh, and, and that's where you want to be, right? You want to you want your show to uh, go out leaving you wanting more. But damn, this yep. has been the shortest damn season. And it's all been so good. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, lots of stuff for us to talk about. Lots of things. that I watched the episode going, holy crap. Uh, I've I, I just I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, they're really the only off episode for me. It was still good. It was still a good episode. But the only kind of of mediocre episode for me was the uh, uh, world between worlds. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Completely and it was still agree. interesting, but it was kind yeah. of like it felt a little bit like filler. Yeah. And I've still still seen nothing that she's learned from nothing that Ahsoka has learned from that interaction show up uh, affecting her behavior decisions yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I, you know, I wonder if we're going to get a force breakthrough with Sabine in the next episode. I wonder that, too. Like, are, yeah. you know, are, are we actually going to see her do something with the force in the next mm-hmm. episode or not? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm going I'm to are we gonna see Zeb. Are we going to see a reunite a reuniting of the rebels? I don't see how. Yeah, I don't Hera see how that Zeb can get there. Yeah, no, well, I don't think so. And maybe we just see Hera and Zeb putting a band together. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's something that we see. But yeah, I mean, I don't you, I don't see how anybody can get there, you know, because well, I mean, there's the Perkles are still out there and we do have a force user on oh, the oh, other side of the galaxy. The, are you talking about Hera's kid? I'm talking Well, how the Hera's, you know, that's actually probably a better idea. I was going to say Luke <laughs> Hera's kid <laughs> yeah. is actually out there, too. See, I don't th- I don't think that's a that's a viable solution for them right now. I think that. uh I, I think that all they can do is get ready for Thrawn to show up. Yeah. You know, and start amassing their forces. Well, but, and, you know, I think I think a more immediate need is to route out the Imperial sympathizers 
on the on the uh, ruling committee because I mean in the Senate that is just some bullshit that you've got the the you know guy there who is clearly in the back pocket of the yeah. the empire. I mean I just like I again Hera should should have shot the imperial. <laughs> I, that is that is how democracy works, by the way. <laughs> well, and I, speaking of getting back, you know, this thing that Balin's searching for, I do wonder if it's going to be uh, some sort of MacGuffin that will let them get back to the main universe. I don't know what he's searching for, obviously, but I, I just feel like in some way, can it be used for them to get back? I hope not. I hope it's not a I, I hope it's not a infinity stone <laughs> maybe maybe it's a stargator <laughs> maybe maybe it might be a stargate maybe maybe a power ring of some kind <laughs> but yeah uh, what do you guys think what do you, you know, those who are listening to the podcast what do you think we're gonna see in the eighth and final episode of i don't know if it's ahsoka or just the first season of ahsoka i don't know we haven't heard we haven't heard have we I no. would think it's been popular. If I would think if if the I think they're going to do a second season. Yeah, Ahsoka. yeah, I agree. Got to. Got to. So hey, we want to know what you thought of this week's episode of Ahsoka. What you think of Micronauts number one, and what do you think <laughs> is going to happen next week? Give us a shout at Star Wars at iomgeek.com, and if we use your comments on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and X. You know, Paul, also uh, Star Wars adjacent, I watched, uh, rewatched Man of Steel this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I, I finished it last night, and I um, I uh, went ahead and fired up Batman v, Sur- v Superman. Um it's not, it's not. It's not. I notice you talk about these things when Wayne's not on the podcast. <laughs> well, that's the, it's, that, that is the only way I can talk about these things. I, I guess I, I still love Man of Steel. I yeah, love both of those movies. Uh, you know, I, here's the thing. I, <laughs> Man of Steel is is one of those things that I didn't much care for in the theater, yeah. uh, and have grown to love uh, in the the years since. I mean, I feel like I like it more each time I watch it. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, as DC has continued about movies, they've lowered the bar each time. And so Man <laughs> of Steel just looks that I mean, much he's better. He's not wrong. No, he is not fair. wrong. He is not wrong. I completely agree with that assessment. But I also think, you know, I went in with preconceptions as to what a Superman movie should be. I gotcha. And, you know, when you when you sit back and go, just take the take the whole Supermanness of it out. You know, what what if you were just watching this without ever having experienced Superman? Uh, And I think it's a really interesting take on it. And I really enjoy the performance for General Zod. Uh, I I just I think it's I think it's a really interesting movie and doesn't spend a whole lot of time uh, in the Clark Kent phase, but also spends a lot of time in Clark Kent. You know, makes the Clark Kent time valuable. Mm -hmm. Kind of dig that movie. See, well, so coming got, soon, Snyderverse with Aaron and Polly. Yeah. That's one of my favorite Lois Lanes. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. old Amy I, Adams. Mm. Well, and I didn't like Amy Adams in it when I first watched it. And now I really like Amy Adams in it. Yeah. I just really had to warm up to this thing. And it, See, it, it, I, I it, was ahead of my time is all I'm saying. You know, it's another one of those properties that I don't understand uh, why we walked away from the property. You mm-hmm. know, I don't understand. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, 
it's just one of those things I don't get. But if the decision making at DC has been erratic. Uh, absolutely, it's a failure yeah. in leadership. I mean, I think it's exactly what it is. But uh, I say that it is Star Wars adjacent just because I wanted to be able to talk about it. Not that it actually, <laughs> just like Micronauts. <laughs> now, actually, Micronauts is you have to. Yes, admit, there is yeah, a lot I of. I do have to admit. I do have to admit. All right, <laughs> All right everybody. Thanks. All right, see ya. Bye. Talk, Before guys. we hang up, did I, I meant to ask, did you rewatch Force Awakens the other week? Yes, I did. What'd you think? It's a good movie. It is. I, I've, I've always thought that it was an entertaining movie. I have issues with it. I think my issues are much the same as Andrew's. That's that. just a, re, re, a rehashing of the the spiritual remake of New Hope. Yeah. Well, and that it, it you know it's so so very derivative of New yeah. Hope, hitting yeah. hitting many of the same story beats, and also that spaceships spaceships in uh, uh-huh. the movie yeah. move at the speed of story. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is very true. We're leaving. Oh, hey, we're there. That's right. Drives drives me fucking batshit. Because one of my favorite, some of my favorite parts of 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 like New Hope are the time they spend on the ship as they right. travel between point In A hyperspace. and point B. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's a good movie. Like I love the casting. You know, I like I like the the what, John Boyega. Is that is yeah, that John Boyega? Name? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I love him. Uh, well, I love uh, Daisy Ridley. I, I just like everybody. And the guy who plays Poe Dameron. I mean, oh, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. It, and those three actors uh, really stand out. Uh, you know, I, I think they did a magnificent job in the casting of that film. There's always the somewhat uncomfortable spot where, uh, you know, Kylo Ren's just sitting there with his shirt off. hanging out. <laughs> but you well, know, that was in the second. That, that was, was that in the second or was that in the first one? I think it's where, the where they're connecting with the force powers. That was in the second one. Yeah. Where he's what? just like sitting in, in the stars thing, no shirt on, looks like he's lightly oiled up. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say the one the the thing that annoys me the most about all three of those movies is Kylo Ren. I really, really dislike him. I'm gonna say he's better than Hayden Christensen. I, well, no, completely agreed. I just it, and it's not the acting; it yeah. is the whininess of the he character. He yeah. is a big. He's either in a rage or he's like a he's like a seven six uh-huh. year old. He's uh-huh. either whining for something or he's uh-huh. angry that he doesn't have the thing. And you know, I, and and that is certainly true to the Skywalker family. I mean, he comes by it honestly. <laughs> but but holy shit! I mean, I'm just like God. What? <laughs> Why doesn't why doesn't Snoke just bitch slap you? You know, 